Hey there, everybody. So glad that we're all here together. I'm so glad that you found this broadcast. And uh, today we're going to touch on, as he is, our righteousness. We're going to talk about how God is and shows himself as our righteousness. Now, before we go into this, let's together seek him. Uh, he's here with us. Uh, the scriptures say that where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst. So it doesn't take but you and I right here in this broadcast for God to be right there and present and for his spirit to move and to help us to see his and to be so blessed by it. So let's together, let's ask him for his help. Father, we thank you. We give you your place. And we're asking, Father, for the help of your spirit, that by supply of your spirit, we would minister well here and that your Holy Spirit would help to teach us and to show us as we spend time here in your word to see you as you are and to see that you are the Lord who shows yourself as our righteousness. Thank you, Father. We're, we're asking for your grace to abound towards us, that we would see and hear well and speak well what is needful here in this time, Father. Thank you for making my mouth like the pen of a ready writer, making it easy to get your word out, making it easy to be received. And Father, we bless you in this wonderful good work. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Go with me, if you will, in your Bibles. And we're going to go together to Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. And we're going to start right in verse number one. This is where we'll find that God has shown himself as the Lord who shows himself as our righteousness. This is one of the redemptive names of God. Now, as you're going there, I, I am impressed that I'm supposed to say something or um, I'm going to read to you something that Brother Kenneth E. Hagen wrote uh, years ago. I found my place. Thank you, Jesus. And he wrote this in a book that's entitled Understanding How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith. Wonderful book. I encourage if you don't have it, it'd be great to get it in your library and to um, get it uh, before your eyes and, and uh, in your ears. Read it aloud yourself. It would help you. And um, you can find it at uh, Kenneth Hagen Ministries at uh, I believe, org, org. And um, you can find it, I'm sure, uh, on Kindle or Amazon as well. And um, it's a great book. So let me read this to you. This is something that I believe is very imperative for now. And he said this, and it's very early on in the book. He says, one reason we as Christians live in unbelief. Now, now let me just stop there. Is it possible that Christians, we as believers can live in a state of unbelief? Yes, it is. Um, you can find this. Uh, if we had time, I'd take you through the scriptures, but let me continue. And it said, one reason we as Christians live in unbelief and our faith has been hindered is because we lack knowledge about redemption and about our redemptive rights. We lack knowledge of what God's word says about our redemption. And that lack of knowledge is the greatest enemy of faith. That lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge that God has redeemed us in what way he has redeemed us is according to these words the greatest enemy of faith is that true let's take time to see this 
And in fact, let, let's be honest about this. If you and I don't know that, you know, let's look at the last few weeks we spent on this, that God is the Lord who shows himself as our provider or our shepherd or our healer. If you and I don't know that, then when sickness comes on, we won't have this knowing to go to that God would have me healed. So we wouldn't ask him for it. We wouldn't seek him to do it. And we would go about another way. And so not knowing that he is the Lord who shows himself as our healer would cause us to stay in the sickness and disease. And so there are other aspects. And one of those is he shows himself as our righteousness. Now, again, we're here in Jeremiah 23. When we're talking about righteousness, we're talking about right standing with God. We're talking about being in a presence as if there was no blemish, no spot, nothing that was in between us and God. It's actually, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Let's, let's read this, and I believe it's going to be more and more clear as we go further. <clears throat> and it says here in the first verse, it doesn't start out too great. Woe, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. It's very, this is God's displeasure. And in this case, it was to pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of his pasture. So this is, God takes personally what's done uh, to his uh, children, to his sheep. And um, in this case, uh, there were pastors that were destroying and scattering them that their work was um, not causing them to be fed and protected and and um, led in the right way, but that they were actually being hurt by, by things that were being done. And God does not, it, when, when these things happen, you know, so often I think what people think is it's not noticed, that no one understands, that no one knows. God does. He saw what's going on here, and now let's see what he does about it. So he says, therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. So God is speaking words that is opposing them and opposing what they're doing. And he said, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, or he could say, look, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, says the Lord. Wow. And I, now these are, yes, sir. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. So even though these sheep had uh, pastors that were looking to, you know, and maybe let's be honest. How many times have people inadvertently destroyed, inadvertently hurt? They didn't mean it, but they failed to do what God showed them to do. They failed to do it the way God showed them to. And even that very thing there, not doing as we're directed of God, can hurt people. And, um, and God is saying, though that's been done, though there has been destruction, Though there has been hurt, I'm going to take care. Whose sheep are these? Not the pastor's sheep. These are God's sheep. These are God's people. And God takes very, he takes it close to heart what is done for his people. And he said, even though 
This is how it was done. I'm gathering my remnant. I'm gathering those that remain of my flocks out of all countries. Is he concerned with every nation? Yes. Every tribe, every tongue, every person. He is so desiring to gather us, bring us close and have this close fellowship with us at all times. And he says, where I have driven them and I will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. So God wants you to be fruitful and increase. And this is actually in connection with the righteousness. We'll see it here. And it says, and I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them and they shall fear no more. You can see if faith words are not being ministered, people don't have nourished faith. What is going to be present in, in a child of God's life if faith is not nourished up and built up? Fear. Fear will be present. Unbelief and doubt will be present. And that's what we're talking about. As you and I get knowledge of God and who he is through the scriptures, we bring ourselves into a place where faith is strong. It's been built up and we can now... Knowing this redemptive nature of God himself, we can have this faith that's strong, have this faith that we can exercise and work and see it not just result, result and benefit us, but it will affect all those around about us. And so we see here, they shall fear no more, he said. I'm going to put shepherds over them which shall feed them. Is it important to God that his sheep be fed? He wants those lambs eating good. And if they aren't going to feed them, he'll find something else for them to do. We, we need to really watch, and this is something that's been strong in my heart these days, and, and, and um, I know for time's sake, I'm going to make it brief, but how you and I treat what is in our possession right now is going to determine what God can do with us in these days to come. And this thankfulness for what God's given us, this thankfulness and content lifestyle is what's going to, one, keep what God's given us. You and I need to buy the maintenance plan. I'm going to say that again. There's a maintenance plan. You want to know what it is? Thankfulness. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're told, in all things, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You want to know the will of God for your life? Look at what God has done in your in my life, and we give him thanks. This is the will of God. And if we want to see any more of his will, we should start right there, right in that place. This thanksgiving, this thankful lifestyle, it's, I know a lot of people think, yeah, it's a good idea. No, no, this is the directive from God. And no matter what's going on, when we do this, we can keep what he's given and we can advance and do more. And that is, oh, a prosperous way to live. So God takes it very personally, what we do to his, what we do for his. And if we're not going to feed them well as pastors, then he'll go, all right, fine. You can go do something else. I'm going to find them because I know in their heart they will feed them. And he'll bring them in, set them over them to do that work. And we'll find that they'll fear no more, nor will they be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Neither shall they be lacking, says the Lord. He said, behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a righteous branch. Oh, my. Sounds like 
Jesus, a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper. Notice you see this connected throughout, prosper, right? You see it before in that they, they won't lack. You saw that they'll be fruitful and increase. Every time where you see in, the, in Genesis, it talks about the blessing. God told them, be fruitful and multiply. And it was connecting with the blessing. And the scriptures and Proverbs say the blessing makes rich. So you see righteousness and an enriched life are completely connected it's throughout the scriptures. And um, he said, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called. Say with me, my friends, the Lord, our righteousness. So even though what was happening in their lives was not right, God said, okay, well, I'm going to make the way and it's going to be through me. There's no other way that one can be made right and that they can live in an a rich life apart from me doing this. I'm making myself, I'm going to show myself to my people as their righteousness. Hallelujah. Now, righteousness enables you and I to approach God and have fellowship with him. That means you, can, you and I can talk to him and hear from him. It's no different than it was with Adam and Eve in the garden. And this kind of fearlessness to step right up to the throne where he is ever present and to step in a time of need to receive his grace for the help in the time of need. Apart from righteousness, it cannot be done. Now go with me, if you will, to Romans, the fifth chapter. And we're going to start in verse number. Stand by. Verse number 15 of Romans 5. This is something that uh, is imperative for us to see about righteousness. And as you're going there, Romans 5, 15. Hallelujah. I'm just going to go right there with you. Don't you love the word of God? Hallelujah. You want to know what God thinks about something? Open this book. Hallelujah. 5.15, and it says, But not as the offense, so also is the, say this with me, free gift. We're going to find out this free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and, notice there's a separation, grace of God and the gift that is by grace. The gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to what? To many. You could say to all. And it continues and says, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is, say it with me, the gift. The gift of what? Hallelujah. The gift of righteousness. And it continues and says, for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses to justification, to be made right, to be made clear. If you and I were standing before a council and they said they're guilty, they're, they murdered, they, they uh, stole, and they deserve to be punished right now, you and I would need to be cleared of all those charges. We would need to be justified. Jesus stood upon that stand 
and he witnessed. He said, here is my blood that was shed for their sin. Oh, my. You and I have been justified by what the Lord Jesus has done. I'm going to take you to the scriptures and see it. But there's something we need to see here in Romans 5. And it goes on and says that uh, for if by one man's offense, 17 first, death reigned. Now, this is a dominating statement. To reign is like a king or a kingdom. And it, it shows rule. And um, he said death reigned or dominated by one. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Does God want you and I to reign, to rule, to have dominion in this life? Yes, child of God, yes. It's imperative that we do. You and I ought to have some control in this life. It's no different. I'm going to say this. You know, we here at work. Here from our headquarters now, back home, so thankful. This is here in the Gulf Coast of Florida. Well, I saw just shortly before coming back this way that there was this storm brewing in Central America, and they were projecting it to come up towards Texas and to Louisiana. And um, and I realized, well, back off of Mexico, you know, uh, the enemy will try and get something in there and send it right on over to the Gulf Coast of Florida. And I spoke against it right in that place. I, I said, Father, I ask about this thing and and right now by your authority i speak to this and i say storm you stop in jesus name you may not touch florida you may not touch that but we just looked at it today and found that it's already dissipating it was supposed to touch down you know uh, hit on saturday now they're projecting tuesday what's happening the word of god that's coming out of your mouth because we trust what he said is working and you and i can rule in this life we need to rule over sickness and disease we need to rule over poverty we need to rule over evil spirits that are around about trying to disrupt the good things of god we need to rule how are you and i going to rule it's by this righteousness we have to be able to stand before god knowing we're worthy of this fellowship with him knowing that we are in the place that he has made for us and that's what i want to tell you there's nothing you and i can do to make ourselves worthy Nothing you and I can do to earn this. He has given it. It's a free gift. Now, let's look at this because there's more to it. And, I, and it's a big point. And it goes on here in the 18th verse says that, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, that's Jesus. Thank God he was obedient. It said his obedience, many were made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. 21st verse, this is where we want to come to. That as sin has reigned to death, it's going to do that all the time. Even so might grace reign or you could say control or rule or dominate through righteousness. If you and I fail to receive God's righteousness, it is the bridge in which his grace flows through. It is grace that rules through righteousness. 
if you and I fail to know God as the Lord, our, our righteousness, then we fail to receive and have working in our life the other parts of his grace because they're separated. This is a gift that's by his grace. Well, his grace is you and I knowing as we need to know, being able to do as we need to do, being able to speak as we need to speak, being able to trust and to love and to be generous. It is his grace abounding towards us that enables us to do like him in this earth. And if you and I fail to receive the righteousness, we fail to receive that grace working through us. Hallelujah. There's good news. It's right before us right now. We can receive him as our righteousness right now. It's very interesting. As I've been med meditating on these things, and I know we're coming close to time, I started thinking there was a particular, uh, my father in faith, he was out ministering. He said that um, there was a, a pilot working with them, and they're going up to their hotel room. They get in the elevator, and the Spirit of God just on the inside of him, it just came up. And he said this. He said, you know, there's no one going to hell for smoking, smoking cigarettes, smoking cigars. Well, you could say there's no one going to hell today. Now, why say that? This gentleman was a smoker. And, and there's shame, there's condemnation because of it. No, that doesn't keep you out from fellowship with God and fellowship with Jesus. And there's no outward sin, habit, whatever you want to you know, term it as, that is going to prevent us from fellowship with God. The one thing that's going to prevent is if you and I refuse to receive the righteousness that Jesus has provided. Now, let's go together. To go with me to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Hallelujah. I want to get get what we need to get. You go to sec, go with me to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. And um, Father, do I need to build on any of these other things? Yes, I'm going to go to Isaiah as you're going there. 2 Corinthians 5. I want you to see this in Isaiah 43. You don't have to go there. I'm going to read it to you, but it, I think it's important to see part of it. Isaiah 43. Thank you, Lord. Okay. And verses 25 and 26. 25 says, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. This is God speaking and will not remember your sins. God is always wanting to look at you and I as if we have done absolutely no wrong. He is endeavoring all the time to look at us because he wants to treat us as if we've done absolutely no wrong. And that's why he sent his only begotten son to take it upon himself. That's why Jesus accepted and laid down his life, because he wants to look at us the same way. And now let me come on over to where you're at. Verse number 17, 2 Corinthians 5. And it says, therefore, if any man be in what? In Christ, in Jesus. And uh, he is or she is a new creature. Brand new. Got that new smell on you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. How many things? All things. But I was a thief 
He said all things. But I was a drunk, man. I still want to drink big time. All things are become, but you don't know. I want to get so high right now. All things are become new, child of God. And when you and I accept him as our righteousness, we can step into his, hallelujah, wonderful presence and receive his enabling ability where every devil and silly thing that's tried to trip us up for year upon year upon year completely crumbles and becomes nothing. Can you see that? Hallelujah. All things are become new and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I have this ministry. You might think, what? I'm not a preacher. You are called of God to bring people to know Jesus. You don't have to preach like this. You don't have to teach this word of God, but you have something in your life. God is going to use you. Yes, I'm looking at you, talking to you. You, he wants you to bring people to know him. What do you say? We say yes to that. There's no greater work in this life, my friend. Hallelujah. And it goes on and says, to wit or to know in the 19th verse that God was in Christ, God was in him, reconciling the whole world. He's not seeing color. He's seeing children. Oh, he wants them saved. Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Come to know him. He's good. For he has made him to be sin for us. Was Jesus that? Yes, he was. He took upon him every one of those wrongs. He took upon him the rape. He took upon him the murder. He took upon himself everything that we know and all that we don't. He felt forsaken. He was on that cross. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in his life, he felt apart from God, right? He felt like he was an unrighteous man. And at that point in time, he was. Coming to a close here. It says, who knew no sin. He was made sin for us. He didn't know sin. That we might, what? Be made the righteousness of God in him. If it's true he became all of sin, then it's true, child of God, that you and I are God's very righteousness, which means we can come before him without any fear, without any doubt, without any looking for punishment, because he's looking to treat us as though there's absolutely no wrong, as if there's absolutely nothing in between good fellowship between him and us. This is God who shows himself. As our righteousness. Praise God. Now, if you don't know this, if you're sensing right now, I, I messed up. I need to come back. 
this is your chance. Right here, this is your time. And First uh, John 1, 9 talks about that. If you and I will confess our faults to him, confess our faults, that we will, it says that he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us. There's certain, you know, the scriptures talk about how uh, he will cleanse our conscience. That's your mind, what you, you know, you, you recall doing that thing. And he'll cleanse that conscience from dead works so that you can serve him. He's the living God. And I sense right now, if you'll do that, you'll just say, Father, you're right. I could see it right now. I wasn't supposed to do that. I wasn't supposed to say that. I wasn't supposed to think about that or like that. And right now, I, I come before you. I want to make it right. And I tell you, there's an active flow of his wonderful gift of righteousness that's flowing over you right now and making you completely righteous. Now, this word of faith, which we're preaching, it's very simple to make Jesus Lord of your life if you never have. And that's that you believe on him like we just spoke inside you. That you say, yeah, you know what? When you said that, that's right. There's something in me that says that's true. And right now, that the answer to salvation, the answer to making Jesus and accepting this righteousness is believing that in your heart, that Jesus took your and my wrong and made it right. And, and it's simple as that, is believing in your heart and then saying, Father, God, you are Father. And right now, I want Jesus in my life. He took upon him what was mine, and he did it for my good. I take upon myself him. I want him. I receive him. And if you'll do that today and say that today, I tell you, you are making the best decision of your life, child of God. And when Jesus went and put that sin to death and went to hell, 